From Jackson, Mississippi to Detroit, Michigan, the location is irrelevant. James Houston is still the problem. And then Blue Bloods comes on to detail his FCS Media Day tour. Oh, yeah. It's Locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast, your numero uno place for all of your HBCU athletic coverage Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I bet you ain't know I was bilingual, huh? <laughs> I had a little stumble on there. Obviously, I'm not as uh obviously I'm not as fluent as I can't flow like I would like to, but I appreciate y'all making us your first listen of the day every day. And I have a problem when it comes to Spanish and somebody else who is the problem is James Houston. It does not matter if you're on the college level, if you're on the professional level, James Houston knows how to play football. And you can tell by the fact that he stood out at Lions camp during day one. See, NFL the camps are just beginning, right? You have a you probably have your favorite team. You're seeing clips from whatever your reporters are. Like, I'm seeing all the Saints clips, right? And I'm loving it. This is the great content. But one thing that we'll make sure that we're doing here on Locked on HBCU is making sure that we're highlighting our HBCU prospects. I'm talking to Kobe Durant. I'm talking James Houston, Jatai Carter, Marquise Bell, all the Joshua Williams, right? Even the players like Ryan McDaniel or Deshaun Dixon. We're going to make sure that when they're standing out and they're making good time, big time plays, and can't forget my gosh, Jamar Bridges, who I think really has a good shot at making it in Baltimore on their team, not the practice squad, but on the active 53-man roster. I actually think these guys have chances. I want to make sure that we're covering when they're doing things well and just keeping updated with their progress, right? But today we're going to talk about James Houston because Locked On Lions host Matt D uh, Derry had some really big things to say when he was inquiring about how the first day of camp went for the Detroit Lions. And here's what he heard back. Let's hear it straight from him. A couple of notes today from day two of training camp. Again, the team is not in pads yet, but they were out there for day two in Allen Park today. Uh, number one, I talked to a couple people today that told me the best player on the field today was James Houston, the six-round pick from Jackson State. Flying around, uh, they put him on the edge a little bit, put him on the inside a little bit at linebacker, and made some plays. And that's, that's good to hear. Six-round pick that you want to take a little flyer on, an athlete, I'm not sure they know where they're going to put him yet, but with Romeo Quara out, with Josh Pascal out, maybe James Houston could be an edge rusher, uh, you know, Sam linebacker that can help this team. But I uh, heard good things about James Houston today, and that's a good sign, certainly for the Lions. Again, it's day two of camp. They're not in pads yet, but just got to give him some love. Like I told you, still the problem. Still the problem in, listen, that's more than you can really ask for, if we're just going to be honest. That is more than you can expect or ask for out of a sixth-round pick. Now, let's get out our bias. Let's be completely upfront together about our bias. James Houston is a Jackson State HBCU product. He spent some time at, at Florida. Yeah, yeah, I know. But where he really gained his name is at Jackson State, specifically as the edge rusher. And we'll talk about the positional uh, placement that he spoke on in a little bit, but let's get the bias out the way. 
We're rooting for him. We think he's talented. We feel like we've seen him. But the truth of the matter is, and just being upfront, one thing that's not debatable is the fact that he is a sixth round pick. And when you look at a sixth round pick, you're not expecting much. You can get a lot. Be very clear. There's been players who are undrafted, seventh rounders, sixth rounders. There's late round picks who are very successful players in the league and have been and continue will be being successful players in the league. And we hope that James Houston joins that. But when you're looking at it from the Detroit Lions point of view, you're not just looking at it from your own team and pretend that player is not from an HBCU. A sixth round pick, if he doesn't make the squad, you're not blinking an eye. You know, it's not as if he's a, a day two of one day one or day two selection. So overall, you're not expecting too much. So when you have a guy who is on the first day of camp, the best player on the field, and he happens to be your sixth round pick from that draft class, that is absolutely phenomenal. That's all you can want from James Houston. See, here's the thing is it does feel like a flyer for him as a sixth round pick. But you come out there with no pads on. I don't care. I don't care. And you actually show out better than anybody else. You're making plays where people are like, it's not even like having the play of the day. You're making plays, multiple, plural plays that says, this guy's the best guy on the field today. I'm not saying he's the best player on the Lions. Nobody's saying that. But as a sixth round pick coming in and being the best player on the field for any given practice is 100% something that you should put a feather in your cap. I'm looking at James Houston flying around the field as an athlete. He don't have pads on right now. I understand that. But not having pads on does not take away from what he put out on the field. See, with the pads, you'll probably have to show some physicality, of course. We know that. He'll have to show the physicality to be able to play in the trenches with the linemen. We'll see that. And even if he is a linebacker, he'll still have to show that physicality. But what he was able to do today, or on the first day of practice, I should say, he was able to stand there and show his athleticism and his mental. Because regardless of how athletic he is, without that mental side, he's not putting together that type of performance. He's not being where he needs to be. See, athleticism is great, and sometimes it can take over and it can it can help you make a play, but you still have to know where you're going. I'll say eight times out of ten. So the fact that he was be that he was able to be the best player on the field tells me that he was able to put together his athleticism with the mental. Now I want to get to the last part of what Deary said, or Derry said, excuse me. He said that I don't think that they know where they're going to put him. And he put him, you know, he's in a couple of positions. I don't love it. I don't love it, right? I typically hate when players don't know what position they're going to be because, one, you run into the situation where I feel like you stunt somebody's development by not allowing them to focus on a specific position. That's what I kind of feel. I kind of hate it. But then on the other hand, and you can run into the situation where I don't know where you're going to be, so we're just gonna, you're just going to be the odd man out because we don't know where you're going to be. But then you also have the latter side where you're looking at, oh, well, he can play linebacker, he can play defensive end. That gives us multiple positions to where he could be valuable to us. So we're going to keep him because his versatility makes him easier to place on the roster. And it even saves us a roster spot that we might want to use somewhere else. Maybe we want, we want to carry a sixth receiver. But because of that, we're going to have Houston as an edge and a linebacker. So it allows us to carry one more at a position that we might be a little bit more filled at, right? I think that the latter is true. And if you think about Deion Sanders' comparison for James Houston. It was Micah Parsons who also played linebacker and edge. 
So maybe that that versatility is not something that's going to be a hindrance to him. It's just going to be an aspect and a, an attribute that he can show makes him more valuable to the team. And lastly, you went from James Houston in that 50 second clip. You went from James Houston being described as a flyer to being a guy who was painted in a position where you actually see how he could help the team. In 50 seconds, Matt Derry went from talking about him being a flyer, talking about he's the best player in the field, to actually saying this is how he can be on the roster and make an impact. And that's exactly what we want for James Houston. Now, going forward, we're going to talk to my guy, Blue Bloods. We worked together one time on a, uh, on a Texas Southern broadcast. Actually, I went on his show and talked about my alma mater, TSU. Um, I want to get, bring him on and talk about the fact that he went to a lot of media days. I'm going to talk to him about his experience and just what was his favorite media day. Before we get into that, however, I want to tell you about LinkedIn Jobs. So this is for all of my small business owners. If you're a small business owner, listen up because you need to hear this. Connect with the people that you want to connect with faster. See, instead of having to sit down and listen and talk to everybody and weed through those who don't really fit your program, Let's talk to the ones who you know are a good fit for you. You can reach out to the actual employees that you want to have or potential employees, I should say, right? Let's do that. And understand that over 810 million people are on LinkedIn. It's a vast amount of people that you can choose from. So make sure you use the purple hashtag hiring frame when you post your job. And listen, LinkedIn jobs can help you find the candidates that you want to talk to faster. Did you know that? Nearly 40 million people every week go on LinkedIn. You can post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash locked on college. That is LinkedIn.com slash locked on college. And believe me, terms and conditions do apply. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. As we keep on rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I thank you for making us your first listen of the day every day and part of your daily routine. Now I have a guy coming on who is extremely knowledgeable. You may or may not know him. If you don't, you need to familiarize yourself with him. And I'm talking about Blue Bloods, my guy. He's going to be here to talk about everything that he did over the last two weeks because that man was on the road hitting FCS Media Day after FCS Media Day. All right, Blue. So you've been to seven media days in 11 days. First off, you look great for somebody who just got off the road. He told me an hour ago he landed at his house. No nap, no nothing. They look good for somebody who just got off the road. But what was your favorite media day that you were able to attend? Um, I mean, I feel, I feel like I'll give you two because I feel, I feel like there's two different categories in terms of just pure media presence and I would say just being able to meet everyone and being able to network and get a bunch of interviews. And it was a bunch of guys that I've talked to on social media it was a swag. I really enjoyed it, even though I know all over social media, there's been a lot of criticism, a lot of comparing the swag and MIAC. But for the me, I feel like the MIAC and 
looking back, the really the SoCon, the, the, the Miak and the SoCon were two of my favorite overall. One, locations were great, man. Norfolk is beautiful, man. They had it right there on the water. And the SoCon had it in Asheville, North Carolina, and it was up in the Appalachian Mountains at a big resort. And, I mean, the view was amazing. And both the Miak and SoCon were two of the most organized. They had... They gave the media all the scheduling, internet access and everything. I said, this is where everyone's going to be at this time. And it really allowed the media a more, a more structured approach. So you knew, okay, I need to be at the Citadel's table at this time. I need to be at Howard's table at this time. And so those, I was able to get every single head coach, but I think one at SoCon, every single head coach at MEAC, I was able to interview with some of the other ones. It was more like, if get in where you fit in and with the swag it was a bit chaotic and some of the other bigger conferences because you have so many teams so much media presence that it was kind of hard but overall man i i won't call them out there was only one media day out of all of them that really wasn't great and that conference it was their first ever media day so i'm gonna give them a pass it was just bad planning and there were some teams that weren't interested and some things happened outside of their control but everyone put on a great media day but miak and socon showed out man i, I had a, i really really enjoyed those and those were my last two ones uh miak was yesterday and socom was on thursday yeah you mentioned the miak and the swag two great conferences right two great conferences and i, I enjoyed watching the miak's media day a lot now you also went to the ovc if i'm not mistaken correct uh virtually i covered it virtually, virtually. They, they didn't have a lot of media there the the um media contact hit me up and said there were still some concerns with covid and so um they urged media to kind of cover it remotely so i went to that one remotely okay so how was that experience for you were you able to get a gauge of how people felt about tennessee state i felt like they were eddie george wasn't happy with where they were placed and i wanted to see if maybe the talk around some of the media people out there gave you a gist of how they felt about that decision I think it's more of a – I don't think it's a disrespectful, you know, vote or anything. I think it's – you see this across the FCS. I think it's the same with Campbell. It's the same with – it's the same with Tennessee State. It's the same with a lot of these teams, Eastern Kentucky, that had really strong recruiting classes, but they haven't proved it on the field yet, if that makes sense. Either they got first- or second-year head coaches like an Eddie George. Eastern Kentucky was a power back in the early 2000s, won a national championship in their history, but haven't been good recently, but they've had a lot of recruiting success, got a lot of people coming back under head coach Wells. And same for Campbell. Um, they had never won in their history, never won a conference championship, never even really been close, and they got – all these great recruits coming in. It was a wait and see approach for the media with Tennessee State. Everyone knows Draylon Ellis is the truth. He's done it in that conference at Austin P. You got an all you got an all conference running back, uh, Devon Starling coming in. You got what two four star wide receivers on top of Zaire Thornton, who was an all conference selection this preseason at the wide receiver spot. Your tight end was an all conference selection. You got three offensive linemen coming back, two of which have all conference selections. The defense is loaded. The, on paper, they should be able to compete, but also you look across that conference, man, there are some really good teams still in the OVC. Murray State's not going to be a pushover. They've recently won the conference, and of course, it all starts with UT Martin, who brings back a lot of pieces and the returning defensive player of the year in the conference, Devin Sims at the defensive back spot. So it's not going to be an easy road for Tennessee State, but my vibe from the media and even the coaches and players is wait and see. They've done a lot of great stuff off the field this offseason, but until they do it on the field, which me and you both know is a, is a difficult thing to bring that success on the recruiting trail to the field, it, um, that they're going to withhold, you know, giving them that number one spot right now and crowning them the next up-and-coming team in the OVC. 
And when you look at another HBCU not in an HBCU conference, you're looking at North Carolina A&T, who had high expectations, kind of different, not the complete opposite, but different from Tennessee State, where they're actually expected to win their conference, to win the Big South. Did that surprise you? Is that something that you saw coming? What? How did you feel about uh, that yeah, I thought they were a shoe in for at least of the, the media vote because um, when you look at that conference, you know, you, the 2019 champion Monmouth is off to the CAA this year. The champion from last season, um, Kennesaw State, is off to the A Sun. So you've lost your past like two or three champions already. The one of the best teams coming in is coming in from another conference to NEC, which is not. Uh, I, how, how do I put this? They don't have a great reputation among the FCS community because they're a smaller conference. So Bryant's coming in. They have a lot of talent. I like Bryant to, to be a contender in that conference, but they're not going to vote them number one. you got Campbell, who's just coming off like a three and seven season, hasn't won more than like five, five or six games in the past few seasons. So they're a big unknown. I expected them to probably get second. And then you look at, you know, Gardner-Webb and some of those schools who are up and coming, but they don't have the... I would say the hype behind them. So you look at AT, they have the most recent success in the conference. They they're one of the teams coming back from last season. They, they were a shoe-in. And when you look at that team returning, the big question marks are on the offensive side of the ball. Can the offensive line take a step forward? Who steps up at the wide receiver spot? And of course, you have to replace Jermaine Martin. And that's always going to be a big task when you look at the story career that he had, even though last season he was really banged up by injuries. But the defense is there, man. I got to talk to Jacob Roberts, the linebacker at Big South Media Day. He's confident, and I don't think a is going to back down from anyone. I think last year they took their lumps and, their, and went through their growing pains in a new conference. You know, And Jacob Roberts talked about that he thought the physicality in the Big South was a little bit more than what's in the MEAC, and it was a big adjustment at the line of scrimmage to kind of compete there. He said the speed was a little bit different as well. So I think they're ready. I think the quarterback spot is going to be one where they're going to have to be able to – their quarterback is going to have to be able to take a step forward. But – Overall, man, when you look at Coach Washington, he's achieved the highest of highs in, in terms of college football. So I would imagine AT right now should be the favorite. But listen, man, I talked to Mike Minger. Campbell might be walking quietly now, but listen, they are carrying us, they are carrying some um resentment for their perception. And Coach Mentor told me off camera, we we talked probably 30 minutes after our interview. He said, Listen, he was like, everyone can sleep on us, but he said when we put our foot you know where this season he was like we'll wake y'all up by week three or four i love it hey blue you ever had a built bar no built bar is you need to check this out because when i tell you this i'm not lying built bar is the best protein bar on the market bar none i like to call them the swiss army knife of protein bars the reason i like to say that is because they're so versatile like your swiss army knife if you just want a snack Go ahead and get you a built bar because they absolutely are delicious, have a load and tons of flavors. I refuse to believe you can go on the website and not find something that you like. They have all the health benefits, so you don't have to feel like you need to sneak it. And then if you want to go to the gym, which is something that I did do, not just go to the gym, but I, ha I had myself a blueberry muffin built bar before I went to the gym and I had myself a great workout. I felt good. It's all of those things wrapped into one, covered in chocolate. Tons of protein, 17 grams in a lot of them. Oh, my gosh. These things are absolutely fantastic, Blue. You have to get yourself some of these. These are the best. And make sure you go to built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 when you go to get 15% off your offer. As we continue with 
our our coverage talking to my guy blue bloods who has been on an absolute tour by the way he has been to all of these media days in 11 days and then hopped on here and talked to us about it i want to move into the miac and the swag so to me i felt like trey oliver when he was talking to the espn media had a bit of an attitude not like a a bratty attitude but just like we're here and we're here to win and it was it was it flowed off of him. I could tell it. Did you feel that same type of energy when you were talking to him one-on-one? Yeah. Uh, listen, I, I don't know how to explain it. Uh, I, I'll try my best, but if you're talking to someone and their energy is infectious, like they, yes. like he, like he could sell ice to a polar bear. I'm Indeed. telling you, man, that, 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 that guy right there, when I, I was talking to, um, I was talking to Scotty after, after I was leaving media, I was telling him, I was like, man, listen, Dancy, Coach Minner, and Coach Oliver were the three most confident coaches I spoke to all all throughout any media day. When I talked to him, I, for me, I had North Carolina Central as the second highest rated MEAC team in my HBCU top 10. I had them top eight. I think when I look at Central, I think people are overlooking them. I, I get it. Listen, I love Coach Pugh. I had fun talking to him yesterday. and they, they got a lot of great guys coming back. But when I look at Central, everything that people – say they're picking South Carolina State for is the same thing Central has. They're returning their quarterback and I think Richard is the best quarterback in the MEAC right now and I think he's one of the best HBCU quarterbacks right now in the country just in my opinion. They're returning almost their entire offensive line. They've returned most of their top contributors in running back and um, wide receiver and their defense returns like eight or nine starters which is more than South Carolina State is returning and so for me, I think Central right now, in my opinion, I would not be surprised if they win the MEAC. I think that team is that good. And talking to Coach Oliver, man, listen, he didn't have to do much convincing for me, but just his tone and the presence that he spoke with really and truly sold me on what they're doing over there. And listen, I talked to um Brandon Codrington, uh, the cornerback and return specialist, all-conference selection in both of those positions, and Richard at MEAC Media Day yesterday. They said the same thing. They're not – they – it it almost like they had no worry. Like they knew they were going to go out in the field and they knew what they were going to do. And uh, they, they really and truly were only that they, they, they weren't that far away from competing for that MEAC championship last year. And I think we saw when they played their best, what they can do. And I think the best example is what they went out there and did to Alcorn week one when nobody in the country was picking them to do that. They went out there and put it on Alcorn. So I think North Carolina Central is going to be extremely good. But I, I agree, man. Listen, Coach Oliver. If his confidence is any indication, Central is going to be a team you're not going to want to see on the schedule. And you mentioned Dancy from Mississippi Valley, right? That's one of those mm -hmm. most confident um, coaches. Yes. I, now, I mean, listen, I, talking I to him, listen, disrespect. I'm telling you. Tell, tell me. I don't mean any disrespect. Listen. All right. Valley just ain't never been it. Okay. Not, 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 in, my, not in recent memory. Not since I've been in college. Where, where does this confidence stem from? And I guess I'll ask you. Did he did he instill some confidence in you in Mississippi Valley? Yeah, I mean, well, one, I never thought they were going to finish last in the division. Just personally, I, I really hold on, stop. I, hold on, stop. Who's last? Don't don't do it to me. Tell me it's not who <laughs> I, I think you. Uh, God, who do you think I'll say it? I, it I better not know. be Texas Southern. I, it, it better no, be UAPB. No, 
No, t- Texas Southern's in uh, not, Texas Southern's not oh, yeah, last. Yeah, they're in the, east. They're in the, yeah, east. They're, they're they're in the other east. division anyway. Yeah, no, and Texas Southern's not last in that division either. We'll okay. get to that after this. But we'll talk okay, about that. Of but, and um, then we'll dial back to the MIAG. But I just yeah. <laughs> but Valley man, listen, it's all about the quarterback. They landed the number one JUCO quarterback in the country yes. this all season. If he plays up to his potential, Val, I, I think Valley's ceiling is is probably third in that division. I think they could be a step behind FAMU and Jackson State if okay. everything clicks. I think they got – right now they got a top two running back in the swag. I don't think that's a debate in Caleb Johnson. I, I, it's, I he, Him and Gary Quarles are it for me at the running back spot right now. Defensive line is a question mark for me, especially edge rusher because they lost Gardner and they also lost Jeremiah Kane at the defensive tackle spot. But they returned some other pieces. Linebacker is going to be strong. And secondary, man, I, I get it. The secondary is the conversation around secondary is always going to go to FAMU because of Bowler and some of those guys and, and Jordan Moore who they landed at safety. It's going to go to Jackson State because of Nugget and Travis Hunter and and um all the like, the fifteen hundred safeties they brought in this all season. But when it when you get to that third or fourth conversation piece, you have to look at at Valley. In my opinion, they landed a former four star from Mississippi State and uh, I believe it's Cam Gardner. They landed um a kid from Southern Miss who was a former three star. They've returned Caleb. Brunson, who was already one of the top defensive backs in the SWAC. So I think Valley is going to be better than people expect. And I think we both know it's really hard to win at Valley just because of the resources and some of the struggles that he has to overcome compared to some of the other schools in the SWAC. And I asked him that question and he said, listen, I'll be honest with you. He was like, I don't think there's many coaches in this conference who could do what I've done at Valley straight up. And I, he's and and he ended the interview by saying he guarantees they won't finish last in the division, and I agree with him. I I just can't see it, man. Now I did jump the gun a little bit. I took it a little personal. I don't have my my little popcorn box that I usually have here, but y'all know I'm a Texas Southern alum, so I I just was ready to take it personal. I, I was I was on edge, but let's talk about my Tigers, right? And you were able to sit down with Andrew Body, and I think Coach McKinney was said that basically they'll go as far as Andrew Body goes this year. And I just want to see, what are you feeling about Andrew Body going into year two? Electric, man. I think he's going to be so good. I, personally, I think I would have him second-best quarterback in the SWAC right now. I don't think that's really a debate. I think you got Shador, and then you got Andrew Body, But they're so different, too, in terms of their play style. Yeah. So I think it's going to be interesting to see which one kind of wins out in the long run because you have Shador, who is, is more of a pocket passer guy, is going to really take – take his time picking you apart through the air when you got Andrew body where man if you don't have a QB spot he could get a hundred rushing yards in the game and and not even blink and he's just he's just so fast and dynamic but my thing is the biggest thing for Andrew in my opinion is can he increase his accuracy I felt like accuracy at times especially in big important games it, it wasn't there sometimes he missed on some throws and I've been I've, I've talked to his dad and I've talked to some of the people who have been working out with him this summer and they said that his accuracy has really taken a step forward I don't know if you know like people know this he was working out at a QB camp with Shador Cameron Ward who was in my opinion one of the best quarterbacks in the country last season and is going to be a monster at Washington State and some of the other top guys from Texas I think Andrew Body takes a big step forward. If he could get his completion percentage in that 61 to like 64% range, maybe even like a 60, man, it's going to be deadly. Because I believe he had 14 touchdowns and only four interceptions last year in limited action, ran for like 700 yards. I mean, he could, he really and truly, I know everyone's just handing it to Shador because that's what you do when you got a returner coming back, just like everyone's handing Isaiah Land the Defensive Player of the Year award. I wouldn't be surprised that at the end of the year if we're looking at Andrew Body as the Offensive Player of the Year in the conference. And I agree, 
however Andrew Body goes is how far Texas Southern goes because if you take him off that team, man, uh, it, it gets a little dicey. And the wide receiving core is going to be something big too, man. I know you know this as a Texas Southern guy. You lose your top two guys from last season. You do land some guys who have a lot of potential. But who is going to emerge as that wide receiver one is going to be extremely important. The offensive line's there. Drake Centers is one of the best offensive tackles in the conference. You've got some guys on the interior that, that developed last year. They're all coming back. Texas Southern could be scary. Replacing Michael Badajo on the defensive side is big, too, though. You've got to have a pass rusher. Tyler Martinez is going to do his thing in the run game, but you've got to get an edge guy to develop to get after the quarterback to compete in the swack, in my opinion. Now, I want to ask you this real quick before we get out of here. There's been a lot of talk about the MEAC and the lifespan of it. I thought that Sonya Steeles came on, and she had a fantastic showing. How did you feel about the words that she gave at MEAC Media Day? confidence man i mean if you're gonna if you want your leadership to have confidence if if your leadership doesn't have confidence then why should anyone else have confidence in you and i mean i was one of the ones listen if howard would have left i would have signed the death death certificate mailed it in and we would have never had to discuss it again but the fact they got howard to come back for now i'll say for now because I have it on good authority that the CAA is not done targeting. And I heard that the NEC is going to make a strong run at Morgan and Delaware State. And the, the MEAC just combined with the NEC for baseball. So I would not be surprised if they try to convince those schools to come over for football, too. And that would be a death blow if they lose either of those teams as well. But the question mark is, yes, you have confidence that you can last right now. You got the super eight or whatever she called it elite eight. While, on, yeah, elite eight elite eight yeah elite eight and so <laughs> it, it that's great but i still think you have to look at expanding at some point and are is the MIAC going to be able to contribute any resources any promises to some of those top d2 schools to entice them to come up and i think there's a lot of things behind the scenes that have to be addressed before that is actually taken seriously. And then you got to look at, is there anyone in the FCS that could fit that profile that you could bring in? And I'm not sure if there is right now. So that's the big question. I think the MEAC too is going to be really affected by all the swag expansion talk and things like that. And so I'm very, very interested to see, because I think A&T is never going to come back. They're going to the CAA. They're going to be there for the long while. Tennessee state's more of a fit for the swag anyway. So I just don't know what their options are in terms of expansions, but I'm glad she has confidence. Listen, as I, 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 if even if you don't have confidence, make me think you have confidence, and I think that's all you can ask from her. And I think, and really and truly, if we're looking at it, what else could you have asked from her? What did you want her to go up, go up and say outside of what she said and address? And so I give her credit, man. I, I was one of the ones that was saying, listen, if Howard's gone, I'm going, and like we're going together. But uh, listen, they did a great job. Right now, they're on. I still think they're kind of like they're on life support, or they might not be on life support. They have the machine next to them just in case. But I think there needs to be like one or two more steps in the next coming years to really and truly get them out of the hot water that I think they're really, really close to being in. I agree. Before we got here, tell them where they should follow you on Twitter, man. Hey, man, you can follow us at the underscore Blue Bloods on Instagram and Twitter, man. And uh, yeah, just look up the Blue Bloods on YouTube, man. You can find us there. And our website is the Blue Bloods uh, pod dot com. Yes, sir. Keep up the great work and we will have you back on the show. Hey, man, I appreciate you. Much appreciation to my guy Blue coming on and talking about the media days of all the HBCUs, not only the HBCU conferences. I appreciate that insight. Make sure you guys are giving him a follow. He's putting up quality content. When I tell you quality content, he is absolutely doing great and he is killing it with one-on-ones, 
and then also just being at these events. Now, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day. Every day, we're going to be gone for a little bit. I'm about to go on a small little vacation, but I will be back. Don't worry. Don't fret. I'll be back sooner than you think. So just wait for it. Now, for your second listen of the day, make sure you're checking out our conference shows like Locked on ACC, Locked on Big 12, Locked on SEC, and more. We are absolutely killing it on the Locked on Network. I'm proud of my people to go ahead and continue to support them. In the meantime, in between time, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Until the next time that we hear each other, family, take care, stay blessed. Peace.